Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode four of the Blockchain Bay podcast. Today, Joe is interviewing Big Dave and Akiba from CryptoSlate.com. CryptoSlate.com is pretty much an all-in-one hub of information in the cryptocurrency space, and I personally have used it a lot more since this interview to get my crypto news. Feel free to check it out. Once again, that's CryptoSlate.com, crypto, C-R-Y-P-T-O, Slate, S-L-A-T-E.com. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to uh, another podcast, and today we have Big Dave and Akiva from Crypto Slate. We are going to talk about everything crypto. I want to get a background on both of you, how you started in crypto, what you do. I believe you both are uh, techies by trade. You you write for the Crypto Slate website and I do, yeah. manage that during your day. Uh mm-hmm. Take it away, whoever would like to start first. Yeah, I can go. So got into crypto in about 2024, mining uh, Dogecoin, <laughs> hilariously. Um, I was running um, a marketing agency in the UK. Um, we did a lot of video production. So we had a whole office of video editing machines. So every every day when people finish work at like five, we taught them how to start the Dogecoin miner. Um, then they went home. Then they'd stop it in the morning when they came back in. Um, and yeah, there's a funny story with that. With all the Dogecoin that we mined uh, at the time, it was like it was not very much in terms of value, and it was less than the electricity. And we stupidly decided after this year or something that we might as well just um, sell it into. There, there was a a company near us called Scan, which is a really good computer hardware store, and they've accepted Bitcoin since like 2018 or something stupid. So we just converted to Bitcoin and bought a HDMI cable, which is in the office somewhere. Um, and during the the bull market last year, that HDMI cable would have been worth six figures. Um, so that's my introduction into the crypto industry, which was hilarious. Uh, we all, even people that are early, obviously don't always make it out on top. Um, then carried on running uh, the agency until like 2020. 2020 i think it was um and then during lockdown uh started writing again, which is my first love um i actually got my start in business uh as a film director and writer uh, making films so i went back uh, to that sort of world writing um and decided that i wanted to actually participate in the crypto industry rather than just kind of watching it um and talking about it and not really doing much about it so i started writing articles on the, the, the macro state of the financial industry and how crypto can help change that. Um, and in 2021, end of 2021, I decided that I was really done with marketing. Uh, I never enjoyed it. I was just good at it and went full time uh, with Crypto Slate. So got rid of my business, um, stopped doing that and actually went from running my own business to working for someone else. Um, and that was actually strangely the most liberating thing that i've ever done because uh, the team at crypto slate are incredible uh, matt and nate who run the company uh, just fantastic uh, business owners and sort of and bosses and yeah i've been i i've been writing with them now for over a year i'm one of the lead editors there um and i produced the sort of the podcast used my kind of experience from the video production world uh, in the crypto space and we interviewed joe uh, recently on a podcast that dave and i have set up recently called gathering of the gigahash where we're going around talking to different miners um and kind of getting the lowdown on what they're currently doing during the bear market so i mean dave over to you on that so i'm i'm big dave um i mine cryptocurrency now currently uh i still mine i haven't stopped mining uh, at all 
um, actually met Akiva Merge Day, I believe. <laughs> when yeah, he was, was doing like a point. like an eighteen hour stream or some crap. Yeah, so <laughs> I was trying to figure out exactly when the merge would would be. Obviously, we couldn't tell exactly, um, and I was trying to get. I think we had like thirty guests on the podcast that day, um, like from MetaMask Consensus. Uh, who else do we have? People from Polygon, um, like people all over the EVM space. Um, and I was trying to aim it for four hours before the merge and four hours after. And obviously, as miners started moving off the network, it got further and further and further away. And what was meant to be an eight-hour live stream turned into like fourteen hours or something stupid. And uh, yeah, Dave was with me for a lot of that, so we got chatting. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I started mining cryptocurrency originally back in I guess it was like twenty eleven, back on like uh, AMD cards. Um, it was. I don't know. It was just sort of like a thing that I did for fun. Um, I, I enjoyed the blockchain project. Like Satoshi was active still back then, like when I first joined. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, I ended up getting out of crypto, ended up life, you know, doing other things. And then uh, I got diagnosed um, for the fourth time, uh, stage four neuroglasty, neuro glioblastoma uh which is a uh, uh, brain cancer and so like instead of having to have someone else take care of me while i go through treatment i went and i put forty thousand dollars into graphics cards and whatnot i refused to pay scalper price which i ended up doing through like scalp bag deals anyways just ended up with a bunch of like motherboards and crap laying around <laughs> like, like building a computer right here in fact out of a bunch of those parts and uh yeah since then um i've had a lot of free time obviously going through treatment and stuff so i um started doing like hella research on the projects um i mined ethereum at the start um i started getting hesitant on mining ethereum just because i felt like they were kind of crapping on the miners by like doing what they were doing and like I know it was part of like the end goal of Ethereum to be not mined on GPU to go proof of stake, you know what I mean? But the fact of like the core miners supported that network for so long, like so long, so much longer than they even foresaw going proof of stake. And I don't know, I just started looking at all these other what everyone calls uh, shit coins and started looking at all these other projects, um, started talking to miners and YouTubers and going into various different spaces. Um, since then, I've made a bunch of like high profile friends in the YouTube space. I've made a bunch of high profile friends in the mining space. Um, I've talked to just about everybody just to find out what's going on and what to mine, what to not, what, what not to mine. I like, I like spec mining right now. It's kind of fun because it is altcoin season. You know, like it's not really profitable to just sit on one coin not as profitable mm -hmm. to just sit on one coin as it can be to mine all coins like um yeah currently so I've been mining now, this. real quick what you mean by what you mean by spec mining is mining a newer coin that is not on the exchanges yet maybe it's on smaller exchanges but really getting an abundance of them in case that price pumps yeah exactly so, so like... my, my audience my audience is a mixed bag some of them are very new to crypto some of them have come from the gpu side so i always try to break things down as simple as possible but 
that's what a lot of people are doing in this bear market right now. Go ahead. Sorry. So like I find projects, I do research, I find like research on the developers, the projects, where they came from, what their use case is, which is like a huge thing. Like if a project doesn't have a use case, I, I can't get behind it. I can't mine it. Like I just mm -hmm. mentally, it doesn't make sense. Like, why am I doing this? Who's utilizing this network? And if the answer is no one, then it's like, nah, I can't do that. If, if the purpose of the network is a meme, then it's like, I can't do that. It's the reason why I didn't get on like Pink Chain or Doge or anything like that. Like I know Doge has since become an actual network, which is kind of funny, but it's it's just like, I don't know. That's, that's just where I come from, really. I don't know. I, I kind of love cryptocurrency. I love helping people figure out their rigs and problems and stuff. When I, when I got into it, I stuttered so bad that I didn't want to talk to people. I... Um, I used to fumble my words and stuff like I was relearning how to like talk. <laughs> and uh, so like I did everything myself. It took me like 16 hours to figure out how to set up Hive. Because like I remember like I used to, like I went to school for coding and programming, but that's all gone. Like it might as well not be there now. <laughs> like the certificates are useless. Um, so since then, I've been learning a bunch as, as well and devving help while well, helping to dev and do alpha testing on a bunch of miners that have been coming out for other spec coins. So I did pin the crypto slate URL in uh, in the chat. Thanks. You guys in the chat, go ahead, take a look. And your channel for YouTube is also just crypto slate. Now, can you sure. give, yeah, yeah. can you give us a little rundown? on what you guys do there as far as what type of content you're producing what your mission is yeah sure so i mean there's there's two parts of the crypto site so one is news media um so just reporting on what's going on in the industry and the other part is a data directory uh, and research um so we've got um a, a ton of data you can basically use crypto slate similar to sort of coin market cap or coin gecko in terms of the data um but we have things like different sectors we have like proof of work coins proof of state coins delicate pos um like for 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 dave there's a cannabis industry section where you can go and look at the cannabis related tokens and such um and our researchers work really closely with like uh, Glassnode um, and um, Nansen. Uh, so we do a lot of sort of detailed reports from them. We're currently building out this quarter um, a new on-chain product, um, which is going to be with uh, Access Protocol, where you'll be able to get access to even more uh, sort of data and insights through um, staking tokens on Access Protocol. So we're kind of moving into being an actual Web3 business ourselves rather than just kind of reporting on Web3. Um, but the thing, the reason why I joined the company was I was looking for for sites to to write for, and I was I was writing for Benzinga at the time. Um, and flicking through the back end of the site, I found that they, there's literally a page on the Crypto Slate website, which is how we make money. And that level of transparency was something that just really blew my mind. Um, and then when I spoke to the editorial team, the focus on sort of accuracy and integrity were paramount above everything else. And in the crypto industry, there's, there's like a running joke that like crypto journalists aren't real journalists. And I think that can be actually true for a lot of sites in the space. Um, I'm not saying that 
I don't, I don't want to t stop my next sentence. I haven't just said that, but that aside, you've also got issues with like Block recently having ties to FBS being a huge, big scandal. Obviously, Coindesk is owned by Digital Currency Group, which is the company behind Genesis and Grayscale, which is also in a lot of trouble. So one of the things that I'm really proud about is the fact that Crypto Slate kind of doesn't have any tarnished sort of history or past. It's super transparent. The people that run the company are doing it for uh, a love of the industry and a love of blockchain. And like, if one of our advertisers screws up, like we'll write we'll write the article about it. Like, there's nothing in terms of editorial that gets. Um, I, if I want to write something and it's factually correct, then I have full sort of uh, leeway to do that. And I, I'm not necessarily sure that's the same with some of the other um, people in the space. They've got a lot of, say, the funding or ties to big projects. We're mm -hmm. fully independent. And AJ, who's our chief editor, his goal is to make CryptoSlate into sort of like the, the financial times of the crypto industry, something that can be sort of trusted, respected, doesn't have an agenda. You could argue whether that's the case or not in, in Web2. But from our point of view, um, everything we report on, we make sure is correct. And that's kind of one of the things that I really love about uh, working with CryptoSlate and the ties that I've made with projects. Like um, Dave was saying about kind of, uh, top people in the space that you've met. I've been sort of blown away at the uh, the amount of people I've been able to meet through doing this. And kind of my telegram is now full of kind of senior people in on pretty much every network. Um, I almost got killed by uh, CZ as well. Um, when I was at Paris Blockchain Week, his bodyguard almost pushed me down the stairs. He was trying to push through a load of people. Um, and uh, yeah, he pushed me out the way and I literally stumbled down two, two, two or three uh, stone stairs outside. So uh, Jesus. even got almost got murdered by CZ. So um, yeah, I absolutely love the site. Obviously, like just like with everything, in terms of like security of crypto, in crypto and stuff, so you don't just trust one source. Like if you want to get your news, like go to multiple places. But the one thing I can say from knowing the inside team and coming from Web2 into Web3 is that if it's reported on crypto slate then it's being checked and there's no agenda behind it and that's what i love about it anything to add to that dave crypto slate kicks ass like i've yeah, been, so I've, been, I've, been I've been using i've been using crypto slate for like my news research legitimately for years now um before ever meeting akiba um i was on their website when i saw that they were streaming <laughs> for the merge so it was mm -hmm. like, like I was doing research for other YouTubers because like behind the scenes, I feed people, you know, topics and ideas and stuff. Uh, a bunch of our friends, <laughs> I don't know. And um, yeah, I, I just, I, I haven't actually formally got to talk to Nate, um, but from what I've seen, he's an absolutely great human. A little shy, but like okay. a really, really great human. Like I want to give him a hug. Be like, it's okay, man. Don't worry, Dave's here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, look at, but yeah, the the company as a whole seems pretty solid. They seem pretty open to their their writers doing what they want, how they want. Um, I love the fact that when Akiba shot the idea of running a YouTube and a stream, that they were all about it. They said, yeah, hell yeah, go for it. And like, it's just that kind of. They have like a blockchain mentality in a formal company, I guess. Like that's that's like when Akiba was saying like all their accounting and everything is like just right there. Like, mm -hmm. Everything's just for everyone to see. It's very blockchain-esque 
in in the yeah. way that they run their company and it's yeah I and, think and, it's and not doubling done. down on leverage and yolo yeah. bets like the, the company yeah and they don't surf solid. for they don't surf for ads you know what i mean like they don't try to get like tons and tons of people to come oh. in like it's products they believe in if anything let me personally think you guys and the ladies and gentlemen over at crypto slate for your work because the crypto and blockchain space needs more of this people who are mm-hmm. honest who believe in this industry and who want to see what's best who want to get actual factual information out rather than promoting an agenda probably yeah, one sure. of my biggest irritants of being a youtuber is watching the misinformation that's spread by someone who wants to sell affiliate codes or <clears throat> someone who just needs more clicks. So, so, so on that, here's an actual example of it. So there's a project called Core Blockchain that I invited over to uh, Slovakia to go meet to see their infrastructure and see what they're actually doing. Um, so I went over there, made a video while I was there. Um, and after seeing everything, I was really blown away with what they're doing. I think they've got a huge amount of climb to get anywhere. Um, but the actual infrastructure, it, it feels true to the mission of crypto. That It's peer-to-peer. It's proof of work. It's designed for sort of IoT devices. Um, it's definitely something you should should look at, by the way. Um, and cool. while I was there, I can connect you to the team. While I was there, they offered me an ambassador role to help kind of grow the ecosystem. And I sort of said to them, I was like, that's fine, but and I'm open to it. But if you want me to carry on reporting on anything, then I can't do it. Uh, we decided to go ahead with it. And now as a result, I won't cover any core blockchain related um, topics on the website i'll i'll pitch them i'll put them in our pitches channel if another journalist picks them up and writes them then they will write them but in terms of like conflicts of interest we like the journalists won't write about projects that are involved with in any way at all which is the complete antithesis of what you're sort of saying is going on elsewhere in the industry like i literally took a step back and said cool i'll be an ambassador of the project but i won't report on it anymore because no That's... one's going to trust it no one's going to believe it if i've yeah. got ambassador for core blockchain on my twitter um description who wants to read an article from me about it because it, it feel, feels to be biased as much as i will still call them out if they do something that's incorrect mm-hmm. i can do that on my own twitter but i can't write an article about it because no one's gonna believe it well and they should it's 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 the efficacy of media or mm-hmm. what used to be the efficacy of media where it's not you know brought to you by pfizer it's like you know what i mean like it's just yeah no it, kidding. It's, it's not that aspect and i love it i love it mm-hmm. i don't know since just doing some podcasts and stuff and having the the ability to reach out to people and the fact that people know who it is um like getting the a bunch of like devs and stuff in which is going to be kind of cool we have, me and akiba haven't really like talked talked about that yet but yeah, I got the Nexa team coming in <laughs> for a mm-hmm. podcast. Cool. Um, it is it is awesome to have your own platform. It's great to be known within a community. I mean, for me, having this platform means getting forming serious opinions and having meaningful debates, whether it's mm-hmm. on live stream, a video, putting together instructional material, just uh, helping further com- the community along and the people who are just new here, helping them find their way so Mm -hmm. they're not ripped off and taken advantage of. But I I really like how it's, you know, I I get to bring on people like you two gentlemen who have substance, who have opinions, have something that you you like to discuss with the audience. 
but I can also bring in people like Travis, who's here in the audience. He's, he's come on my live stream before, and he's a wealth of knowledge. Or other people directly from specific communities, or other other people like to um, mine any sort of crypto. But you you get to kind of direct the conversation in the manner you you want it to go. Like I said, I, I try to do it objectively for the better. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know I'm a little abrasive and can be opinionated, but uh, I value honesty. You're and, like a downy sheet compared to me, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Good, but I mean, and that, that's important. And that's why, like, like during this whole bonk thing that's been going on on Solana, like, there's three articles that have covered it on Crystal Slate. One was talking about the the massive uh, gains like within like the, on the first day when it got popular but the article like clearly points out like what do we actually know about this project and like say like nothing so it helps investors and then after that it was a detailed breakdown of the holders who got airdropped it the fact there's no white paper um and then reported on it crashing by 140 million or whatever like if if they see a new project, either we won't cover meme coins at all, but if they become part of like the meta, part of the zeitgeist, then we'll cover it, but in a way that is just neutral and gives people an insight into what's going on. Because I think that's like this whole bunk thing. Like you look on, say, crypto Twitter and everyone's just talking about the gains. It's all the crypto bros. Like, I'm going to make my money. But ultimately, like you're saying, Dave, like if it's not got any substance or any structure, any utility to it, then it is just, you're just gambling, which is fine if you want to gamble. But know what you're doing. Like, I, um, that's the big difference. I used to be a firm believer of if it didn't have a white paper, um, I wouldn't mine it um, until I started seeing projects arise that came from the developers of other projects. And they mm-hmm. arose through like being visible, going like, we don't like this. This needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. You're not fixing this. Now we're going public with it. You're not fixing this. This needs to be fixed what the hell okay you're not fixing it still we quit we're making our own bye and then so like the 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 build up to the why it exists kind of doesn't really need a white paper yeah and a lot of a lot of white papers nowadays just kind of seem like a a, a media hustle yeah it could go like, both it, ways it's certainly yeah and here here's the thing why some some products don't have white papers is because this is a pet peeve of mine there's many developers who just don't want to do the documentation. They don't want to go through the hours of revising that crap. And, you know, they're they're more concerned and focused on the code. And I understand from a sense, but you, you have to look at the broader picture. But that, that does happen. Yeah, and, and, I, and the reason for that is there's too many – there's a lot of developers in the space and a lot of people with big ideas mm-hmm. um, and not enough actual business people at the end of the day because ultimately these are businesses that need to be run um, and they need to be run properly. And so much of this, like so I said, I do still do some con- consultancy uh, as well with projects and that's kind of why I'm an ambassador for Core. But when, when you're looking at what's going on, there's tons of projects that are live and still have crap documentation for developers. Like when you compare it to Web2, the ability to pick up a Web3 project and just get started is it's, it's terrible. So we do need to bring kind of the best of Web2 into Web3 uh, and make sure that, but then try and also kick out the crap, like the, the, the overabundance of VC funding, like we've seen coming out during this, um, this bear market, which I, I personally view as pretty much the same as the dot bubble. 
Like that's what we're we've, we're going through right now. We're getting rid of all the the fake projects, the projects that have no substance, the ones that are never going to make it on a long time frame, the grifters that are taking advantage, SBF, Doquan, etc. Um, and that's why I'm actually so bullish when you go to events like uh, sort of end of last year, I was, at, um, I was at ECC, I was at Zebu Live, I went to Paris Blockchain Week, um, I went to Istanbul, and every single one of them, the like no one's talking about the price of Bitcoin or any other crypto, like no one's checking the portfolios, no one cares what the price is. It's just workshops and conversations about how to carry on building an infrastructure and improve the user experience of web three to get it in line with with what's going on in web two it's the uh, same people that were here before the bull run mm -hmm. every time and that's that those people that's how you gotta measure a metric is who was here before the bull run and who's still here whether it's the devs behind the project were here before the bull run and are still here afterwards, whether it's mm -hmm. a new project or the same project. And, but, and and outside of that, the people that a lot of the people that come into crypto, not all of them, but a lot of them during these um, parabolic bull runs are people that are looking to make a quick buck, which is absolutely fine. And we've all done it. We've all traded during the bull runs and tried to maximize profit as much as possible. But that's not the core use case of crypto it's not buying low and selling high it's changing the financial system of the world and that requires a big infrastructure and we're nowhere near that yet so your last guest he was talking about so sort of, we need the crypto bros um in order to get adoption i actually don't agree with that concept because those are not the people that will stay long term what we need is to continue improving the user experience of everything in web3 so that and the use cases make it so that your mum, your nan, your aunt, your dad can do something with Web3 uh, and not have to learn a whole load of new terminology and, and like have a, like lessons from the kids on how to get on board with it. Um, and they're the people that matter. And they're the people that are coming in the next five to 10 years. Um, and it's a long-term play. And yeah, you can get really rich in the meantime if you get things right. But like, I'm, I'm happy if Bitcoin trades sideways now until the next... Uh, Harvard, which I expect it to do. Um, just keep on buying whatever crypto projects you like, what has good infrastructure. Um, and like say Helium is one of those that like the overall infrastructure of it, like when you look on the, the Explorer and you see all the, the dots all over the map, it's just, it's amazing to see that that's come from a community. It's come from, that's not for the most part, unless I'm completely incorrect with this, from like big corporations buying um, hotspots and placing them around everywhere. They're all in people's homes. And that infrastructure, um, I think we talked about this on our podcast, can also be um, reallocated to other things in future. And the fact that that mm -hmm. technology is there, I, that's one of the most exciting things for me, that we have this potential peer-to-peer -peer network that's already in place. That's why I need to get one in my hands. Or... Mm. Like, like, I've helped set people's up. I just have never had one. So... So I want to ask you guys what your definition for Web3 is. There's everyone varies a little bit different. It's a very widely used term. But if you were to quantify Web3, what would you summarize it as? Blockchain enabled infrastructure. Yeah, uh, programs built on the blockchain is exactly what I was going to say. 
Like yeah, so I mean, there's so that there's a like video games that, built yeah, on a blockchain. I see. I see Web three as any application that uses blockchain as the core part of its technology. And then there's also a term that which is Web three five, which is becoming more and more popular um, in the sort of um, consulting space around bringing current Web two companies, traditional uh, tech and SaaS businesses and helping them figure out how they can take advantage of blockchain technology with maybe just a part of their business. And the first step for a lot of those has just been, oh, let's launch an NFT project. Why? Because we can. Okay, great. You go do that. But there's there's projects like I was talking to a VC at um, a near event that I was um, moderating, uh, and he was talking about a very, very, very well-known uh, fashion brand that is using blockchain for their uh, supply chain management by using NFTs. They're not calling them NFTs, they're just calling them vouchers. And what they're doing is they're using the redeemable vouchers so they can track where they were purchased because this huge company still has no idea where people are buying their products from because when they ask them, they lie and they tell them they bought them from the more expensive store than when they actually got it from on discount somewhere. So they're using NFTs as part of their infrastructure that's not going to make the price of any token go up because it's not related to anything else. They're just using blockchain technology for something that has a, a real world imp implementation. And that's something that is like, there, there are such things as private blockchains. We're not going to get rich off them, but they have a lot of power. And like, that's why I'd consi I consider myself like a blockchain maximalist, it, not Bitcoin, not Ethereum, not any form of crypto. It's the core concept of blockchain and what that can do. Um, and it's actually not that sexy at the end of the day. Um, and one of the big problems that we've got with Web3 is so many of the Web3 projects talk about how many like transactions per second they can do or um, like how easy their, their wallet is or how it can be integrated into different things. You don't see a social media app talking about how their, their new app is built using React Native as the main selling point for their website because mm -hmm. no one gives a crap. They talk about what it's going to do. And that's for me the sort of the issue that we currently have in Web three is there's so many techie people. Um, we love the tech part of it. We want to rant and rave about the tech, but ultimately the end user doesn't care. They just want to know what they can do with it. And I think Helium definitely suffers from that. Um, yeah. In that, other than mining for it, what can the average person do right now? So. I, I know you only asked what is Web3, and I sort of also then no, talked about what's I mean, wrong with it. You answered another one of my questions, which was going to be, what what is your, I guess, your niche or your what your, your favorite um, subcategory in the gaming. crypto space, whether it be, you know. Yeah, Web3 block, Web gaming. Yeah, blockchain, Web3, uh, Tippins, DAOs, DeFi, whatever it may be. But Dave, you you go ahead. What was the first question I asked? What's your 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 uh, definition of Web three? Definition of Web three. Um, yeah, like Akiva said, pretty much anything that uses blockchain as part of its like core integral part of its operations. Um, it, it it's it's kind of like a new ish term, and people need to get like accustomed to what the different layers are. Like there's layer one, web three, layer two, web three, layer three, or web, mm -hmm. web three as well. Um, they're all kind of all misconstrued. Everybody has like all these different things that everybody's saying and they have no real idea what the hell's going on. 
for me, it's just any project that has like blockchain in their core. If the blockchain wasn't there, the project couldn't exist. And like, poof, gone. And that's that's the key aspect, I guess, to it. Um, one of the really cool Web3 projects that I saw was uh, from Zilliqa, actually brought to my attention from Akiba here. Um, they had like this console that like they had their own hardware wallet on the console. Uh, the whole console when you weren't playing games on it. And I played Web3 games. So that's kind of cool. When you weren't playing games, it mined for you, mined right. uh, Zilliqa. And so, like, I thought that was kind of cool. The thing looked like this beastie. It almost looked like a laptop that was closed, like a gaming laptop that was closed. It was really cool looking. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's my definition of Web3. What's your favorite part about the crypto space? Uh, blockchain, DAOs, tip-ins, Web3? None of the DeFi. above. None of the above. My favorite thing about the crypto space is people like you guys. Um, it's the community, it's the miners, it's the people that want to build the projects, it's the devs. Like, like I've been working with Wildrig uh, Dev for the last, I don't know, a month and a half. That guy's just a freaking savage. He's in the Ukraine, there's bombs going off around his ass, and, and he's still sitting there coding for like, when he was off off work, when he's on mm. work, when he's working, he's still coding, <laughs> by yeah. the way. But when he's when he's not working, he's coding for like 18 hours a day for a miner that he doesn't essentially make all that much from. Like there was a bounty for the one code that we were working on, and he made ten thousand uh, dollars USD to build that open source miner for it. So he did that. And like that's kind of cool. Like the projects that are supporting the miners, supporting the the dev teams of the miners. It's kind of awesome. That's my I, favorite I, part. I find it really hard to find a, a part. And when we have kind of beats, I don't really tend to take any any sort of beats um, in terms of my reporting because I'm interested in so many different parts of it. Like the potential, like DAOs, the potential for for DAOs to to change the way that business and politics is done around the world. Um, I think I, I was interviewing Guy from Coin Bureau and he said that he thinks that DAOs are the the biggest existential threat to politicians that has ever been. And I find that fascinating. Like it's gonna take a really long time. We need to improve things, but the potential for a, a DAO based infrastructure to actually be a part of governing um, sovereign nations it is is just fascinating um but in terms well, of a, a ultimately term... ultimately just because it's blockchain it's governing one nation it's like humanity you know what i mean mm -hmm. everybody's all like gung-ho about all oh, the one world one government blah 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 it's like nah man like there's yeah there's... Can, can you elaborate on the dow the centralized autonomous organization yeah, please the structure what what all goes into organizing that because i think there's a lot of uh ignorance or misconceptions around that particular subject even though we hear them uh shoehorned into just about any project in the crypto space because it's the, the cool thing to do in in uh, many, many areas of crypto mm -hmm. well i think there's in in terms of sort of the dao infrastructure and what i'm excited about it's the ability to have 
a publicly auditable, secure governance. It, while because the thing with DAOs where people sort of miss, they think, oh, if you can't you can't use DAOs for for governments because it's all on chain. But again, you can have privacy enabled blockchains, and you can utilize that, like the cabinet or the the senate, whatever, whatever you have in in your um, it's called constitution, can have its own private blockchain that is only available to certain wallets that can then vote uh, on specific matters that need to be kept private for national security. You can then have a public blockchain that's utilized for, say, um, national elections and the such. And the ability to, like, at the moment, the way that most DAOs are run, it's obviously the more tokens that you hold, the more voting power you have, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. It could be, like, you could airdrop one token to everyone in the country, and that's their vote. They could choose to delegate it to someone else to vote on their behalf if they wanted to. Um, and the fact that it can all be transparent and you can be as involved as you want to with the voting process and politics it is something that's it's amazing. But in order to, to get there, it's a long-term horizon. Um, in the short term, sort of local issues can easily be managed through through DAOs by sort of taking, say, like local government. I'd love to see local governments um, looking to implement more DAO-based infrastructure so you can actually get fair democratic um, voting in a way that everyone can audit it just by looking at the blockchain and see whether the, the votes from the wallets went to the right place. You won't have we're, any sort of up, upset about potential of like... You where can't, a corporation you doesn't have a voice. Yeah. Where a corporation doesn't have a voice. Where, yeah, I mean, where, where every wallet doesn't, you know count you know it's just i mean there's obviously like so there's loads of difficulties you need to deal with because obviously like corporations could airdrop tokens for votes and things um so you could try and pay people to get your votes so there's a lot that needs to be done to get that to work um but I'm, I'm super excited about the transparency of what we can do and the decentralized nature of it it means that you can you can spin up a business start a dao and allow anyone that that wants you to get involved and and that's great um Wonder well, if you could use like the NFT locking measure because like there's a measure to like lock the NFT to your wallet. Um, I'm wondering if you could do that with like the voting system. Yeah, I mean, well so bound tokens, like so bound tokens for it as well, yeah. and as such. Um, but in, in the short term, it's definitely gaming on blockchain, which has me the most excited. Um, I was uh, privileged to be one of the judges for the the game award. The, game with the three awards this year from poker uh poker starter um and i got to speak to and see a lot of gaming projects and the thing that really blows my mind with gaming blockchain is that the user experience is far beyond anything else far beyond DeFi, far beyond um sort of dao based structures they're looking to ways that you can bring like there's games on web3 that you don't need to set up a wallet in order to start playing um, and then you can create your wallet at a later date once you've realized, oh, there's some value in this. And now that gaming has moved away from this um, sort of, it's, it's very much a, a pay to win mentality that it's all just about how much money you can make. And then that also makes you better at the game when you look at games like Axie and, and the such. Yeah. Uh, and moving more into like the ability for players in a game to be pay able to, to get win rewarded sucks. for doing really high difficulty tasks like you think of like magic world of warcraft has a system where you get a really rare nft drop for being the world's first to do a raid and then you actually have that nft that 
only what like how many people is in a party in a while like five ten something like that. ten people in the world have it um that's gonna have value people if they then decided okay i'm done with wow and sell your nft sell your collection and move on to another game um and that really helps for game developers as well like balancing because like when you make a game now you need to balance it for your casual gamers you need to balance it for gamers that have kids you balance it for hardcore uh, twitch streamers it might but, be a way to get rid of all these stupid microtransactions in these games like where you're yeah, buying sure. skins and buying this and buying yeah. that and all these and, upgrade and, and, packs and yeah, it'd be a way like everyone could access it because they're playing the game and then they have a way to gain the currency while playing the game so yeah exactly um but it should be done based on skill-based activities rather than just clicking buttons we don't want a whole world of people just clicking a button in order to earn uh, revenue um but then there's also like from the games developers like they could put they can put like a one percent royalty fee for every nft transaction then even when the game servers go and people are just trading those nfts as collectibles that game studio is still making revenue like it's a way like you don't need to think short term like how can we make a new expansion for our game with the most microtransactions to make loads of money you can just build a game that gradually grows and evolves and over time the like the more popular the game is the more people are trading the items you're making revenue just on that alone and people aren't going to care if it's like one percent or something when they're just trading stuff between people so that, that that's the industry that's the furthest ahead and my view is the Web3 gaming will probably lead the next bull run because they don't care about the price. Like when you're playing the game and you're utilizing blockchain, whatever the price Bitcoin in doesn't matter for you. And yeah, I what's that, that game? I War 3, I think, which is a Web3 project. I think it's called War 3. It's like um, a, a COD type of game. Right, okay. It's a shooter. Um, the one, and there's, the, like, there's loads. Like the, the amount of games on built on Unreal now in Web3 is crazy. Like my favorite yeah, one's a game awesome. called Big Time, which is like a dungeon crawler. And it's amazing. The graphics are incredible. And to start playing that game, you just log in and you start playing. That's it. You can log in with a Google account and then link it to a wallet later on. Like get gamers in and playing. Um, so I think Bit I actually feel that Bitcoin may you follow. You don't send me an invite to this awesome game. You just I can get you an invite to Big Time. It's because I'm white, isn't it? Because I'm white. It is. Yeah. That's exactly Great white it. male. Got a hate on me. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Are those your pronouns? Yeah, straight white male, straight white Jewish male. I'm the most hated demographic on the planet. Nice. So, <laughs> all right. So back to the discussion. Um, can can you really dumb it down to why you would need a blockchain for any sort of gaming? Right. What uh what transactions exactly are you tracking? What does how does it benefit the game? I'm not too much of a gamer. I can understand a few of the reasons. Like However, the skins. Like, for example, you could you could get limited skins that are then bound to your wallet. So yeah, so, can... okay, so if they try to ban your account, it's still on your wallet, right? If the yeah, database you can gets still sell it off. Glitch, like... you, it's still in your possession. Exactly, exactly. So, like, you'll, you'd still have, like, a seed phrase and so forth and so forth to like recover your wallet if that ever were to happen um i mean it, it's very much in the the culture that we have today is very much a renting culture we rent everything we don't buy dvds anymore we pay for a netflix subscription and you're just renting access to things games as a service which is the, one of the most popular like fortnite is a prime example of this you all those skins that you're buying in fortnite 
you're just renting them or like from um epic because you if the game goes down those skins are gone and, yeah, argument, oh, well, and your account there, but... your the skins are gone like yeah, if and you there's get an argument that like on that basis well what does it matter if the game's not there anymore why do you want those things like I, i've got a shelf back there full of n64 and uh, mega drive games that i don't know where my mega drive is anymore but i just love it as a memory it's a collectible um and in a world that's moving more and more digital then digital collectibles are going to will always be a thing going forward it's just how they're implemented um but there's plenty of there's plenty of things that you can do with blockchain and gaming um it's not just necessarily about the skins it's also about general like things that cost money for game developers obviously developing the game itself once it's out it's maintaining the game and obviously it's managing the servers and one of the things that they all miss for me is the fact that they need players that player base is a resource and it should be something they actually have to pay for to a degree like people play to play the game but once they've started playing the game developers don't want to lose those players because otherwise they lose more players and the game falls down whereas by utilizing blockchain and giving people real hard assets for playing the game means they have two options either they can use those assets and carry on playing the game or they can sell them to someone else who can then get back get into the game at a sort of level where they want to be um and it's the ability to reward and pay your your players for um this honor of having them because we we need these gamers and web3 allows you to kind of find ways to incentivize people to carry on playing and obviously the fact that it's kind of an immutable blockchain um for things like uh, esports is incredible um there's been a load of cases over the years of uh people in certain countries around the world or people that are under 18 winning esports tournaments and then not being able to get paid the winnings because they don't have a bank account or they don't, they can't receive payments in that currency. Whereas when you're doing an esports tournament on a blockchain, you get paid as soon as the tournament. So it goes straight into your wallet. It can be written into the smart contract. So anyone can get paid for it. Well, let me add on top of that. When we first seen Bitcoin um, after 2008, the people who were most open minded to it and probably the earliest adopters. Um, I mean, I don't know because I wasn't there necessarily, but I, the, the reading that I've done, it was the gamers because they were already familiar with the fact that there's tokens on any given game, World of Warcraft, RuneScape, whatever you play. I don't know. I don't play games. Those are the ones I played when I was like 13, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can sell that for money on a forum. So somewhere. a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Dude, someone at the gas station asked me if I was 18 and he was being serious. Yeah, so. I'm not, yeah, I mean, that, I can see it. Come on, man. You got to grow goatee or something. I can't. I'm, <laughs> I, I grow a little bit of, of shadow. I, I can't do anything. That's all right. Uh -huh. I, I hope I do. I do look 18. I'll run with it. Anyways. So you're 45 being, and then it all falls out. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> um, what are we getting at here? Oh. So then I was watching another uh, documentary. I forget exactly which one it was, but it was uh, Trump's former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, when he worked at Goldman Sachs, they were actually looking at investing in like the gold mining aspect of different games as a digital currency. So this thought has been around for a long time just in general in the gaming space mm -hmm. but 
blockchain is what made it happen. It's it's what made that when, when we say immutable, it just means it can't be changed. Like it's mm-hmm. and it's an object that is going to be in that form forever. And you've also and you've also then got the ability to take that say it's an NFT from a game for another developer to come along and build a game and support the NFTs for another game, whether it's through an official partnership or not. And you are seeing games like uh, Gensukishi, which is a Japanese RPG. They're doing partnerships with other games where you can basically um, mine t- like tokens and uh, NFTs in one game and then use them in another. There's other projects that are kind of trying to build metaverses with rare um, commodities in them, which are then doing partnerships <laughs> with other games. So those commodities are building blocks in other games. <laughs> you'll have, like, I can see a world where we have a gaming infrastructure where you're playing different games to mine or to um, acquire uh, digital assets to play in another game and create a whole ecosystem where you can jump between them. And that just sounds great. That sounds loads of fun. Yeah, now, do up to this point, have we seen the adoption in-game as many people have predicted and has been expected? So one of the one of the really interesting things, I wrote an article on this about a month and a half ago, in the you get user retention in Web3 gaming is 10 times that of Web2. So when people start playing Web3 games, they're 10 times more likely to carry on playing than they were in Web2 because they're getting real assets out of it. Um, when you look at things like DeFi, user attention is going through the floor, especially at the moment. So that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so bullish about the space. I think what, one of the big issues that Web3 Gaming suffers from is the sort of demonization of blockchain, crypto, and, and NFTs. There's so many gamers that just see NFTs as being a new way to, use, to do microtransactions, and it could be. Um, just like, in all essence, crypto can be the savior of the world or through CBDCs could be the way that we're all controlled for the rest of our lives and never able to do anything we want ever again. So like we are building this technology that is very dangerous and very powerful. And it's about having the right people involved, which is why I'd echo what Dave was saying about this thing about the spaces, the people Like we need people in it that are willing to build for the cause and the mission for what, what blockchain is meant to do. And that's one of the main reasons why I got into it. Like I was, I won the geographical lottery of being born in, in the UK to two amazing parents. That, uh, they worked their asses off, um, came from literally nothing. Mum was picking up coal in the street in Ireland when she was born, one of eight, um, did really well. Um, I've not really ever wanted for anything in my life. And I want to use that kind of privileged position to build something that's going to make a difference to other people in the world. And for me, when you look at what can do that, blockchain is the thing. Like blockchain is the way that can actually help disenfranchise people around the world. But we need people to carry on building it that actually believe in that vision rather than just how to make a, a few extra books. I agree. What were you going to say, Dave? Uh, I totally blank. Lost your thought. Um, yep. If you guys have a hard stop, let me know. Otherwise, we can keep going. It's like, it's a good conversation. So I think we're. I, I, I probably need to go off in like, like 15. Also, all right, yeah, that works. We'll hit just about an hour then because uh, I think we started about seven, eight minutes later. Mm-hmm. So that works great. So we hit DAOs, we hit blockchain in game, and talked about NFTs a little bit. What else were we getting at here? One of the, oh, crappy one of the your internet questions is. that I had. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I got, I got to fix this. This is not good. This, I, yeah, Akiba was thinking exactly the same thing at the same time. Probably. Can you not get yourself like a Starlink or something if you're in a crappy area? <laughs> I can. Uh, I might have to do that. <laughs> I, I, um, I've got one downstairs. I'm not using. If you want to buy it off me, we'll see. I don't sure think I have that kind of money yes. right now. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. What criteria would you? consider needed to let me rephrase for something to be this decentralized what criteria must it meet and this is something i'm going to ask in my next stream but whether it's blockchain utility projects whatever it may be uh, a dow what are you looking at as far as like infrastructure as far as the developing team, how the implementation and maintenance takes place, governance, or is there like one across the board, uh, you know, piece of, I, I, th- I don't know. I'm, I'd I'm, say governance if I had to pick one. Yeah, it's layered, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. Because, because governance has got to be the most important thing. Um, but I mean, so for me, the best projects and the best way to build in Web3 is to not to start decentralized because you need a core team of people that know what they're doing to build the right thing. But with a system in place that doesn't require trust, requires proof um, and reliance on code, that means that it will become decentralized um, as it grows forward. And that's what you need. And it you need can, a company it can be like CryptoSlate, to be honest with you. You need a company like Crypto Slate that has the end goal to becoming decentralized. Hmm. People yeah, that like, believe in the end project, they're willing to fund the means to get to the end project, even if on that way, they're not going to get incredibly wealthy. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you start completely decentralized, then you end up like having, say, a foundation that still has more control than it probably um should do if it's properly decentralized and we might not mm-hmm. believe in the positions you have people buying into it that have got different views on where it should go they might change their view on where it needs to go and you end up with a lot of infighting throughout it so for me like if i'm looking for something that's decentralized i want something that started in a centralized manner um, with a clear roadmap to how it's going to grow and i wouldn't be invested in that project until it's getting to that stage either because it's that's the stage where then you actually are asking okay we think we've built what we thought was good now let's send it out, make it decentralized, allow the community to build and grow it from there. Um, and from a governance point of view, I think that's really important. The other part, when you talk about infrastructure, is something like we're already not seeing with Ethereum. Like over 70, it's like 70% of dApps are built on AWS rather than yeah. sort of bare metal cloud infrastructure, which can be done. Um, I was consulting for a company called um, uh, Gateway.fm, and they're building out, they're an RPC provider, which is um, the connection onto the blockchain for, for applications. And they're building uh, in a bare metal environment, meaning that their servers can be moved to any hosting environment or they are completely decentralized. There's another one in the UK called uh, Kudos. They're building out decentralized cloud infrastructure. That's the sort of stuff that I'm the most uh, excited about when it comes to decentralization. Because at the moment, like there's Google, there's Azure, um, with Microsoft uh, and there's Amazon, 
and they're pretty much take up the entirety of the sort of Western internet. So there's very few projects that I would actually view as actually being properly decentralized due to the fact that either between them and Cloudflare as a DNS solution, like yeah. there's bottlenecks everywhere. Yeah, it's a I, massive infrastructure problem at this point in time. I would agree. Like there's, I, certainly. It's why we need people that are like dedicated to the project that don't need to be making, you know, $150 an hour to work. It's that it, it's those people. Sadly, the world's built on people on the backs of people that no one remembers. And, and, mm -hmm. Those are the yeah. people that we need right now more than anything. We need uh, the people that are willing to put the time in to do the infrastructure to, you know, like run the wires as it were. Well, I think, I think we're seeing some pull in, in the, in the background. Um, one thing I did want to run by you guys is that the counter argument to the centralization or proof of stake validators in the cloud is well if you were to look at the majority of the hash power and any proof of work blockchain it comes from a, a single digit number of, of mining pools you usually like three four five mining pools provide mm -hmm. the majority of the hash rate it's still centralized in that manner so is there credence to that argument or not from your perspective yeah but i mean with inside those pools, you've got all the individual miners and companies within those pools. So like th th they can still choose to move to a different pool tomorrow if they want to. So there, there is that that needs to be considered. And it, it certainly depends more on the projects distributed projects are... the geographic area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some projects are only mined on one pool. Like, like when you're doing spec mining, for instance, it's some like currently mm -hmm. what I'm spec mining a uh, mm -hmm. project called Nexa. And uh, it's only able to be mined on one pool, like the and it's it's some like random obscure Russian pool who I I know people that are really close friends with him, like as like they're devs, like he doesn't speak English apparently, so the, like they're really good friends with him and they vouch for him. So like they they I I know him like intimately, like he's a really good friend of mine. So like I can trust him and he trusts this guy with his life. So that's like why i can trust one pool right now with a hundred percent hash rate on nexa but there's also like three pools that have been working on figuring the code out but they're just no one's willing to just give it to them <laughs> so we we do have a question from the audience uk miners club writes panel question what's your thoughts on hosting on flux public wouldn't know it was decentralized does it even matter to general public so I assume you're you're referring to something like hosting your website or your workload on a Flux node, which is decentralized cloud token incentivized public infrastructure network. It, it's not Run about Flux.io. It's it's not about whether the public cares or not. It's matters whether the solidarity of the projects there. The public's opinion doesn't matter in crypto. And I think every bull run has proven that. I think every bear market has made the people that are all FOMO just like cry a bunch. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like the four mm -hmm. people behind it. Have yeah. Been. 
but the thing is, it, it will make a difference to the public when your website doesn't go down when AWS servers in <laughs> yeah on, in the east of the US go down and Facebook, WhatsApp, Netflix mm-hmm. are all down, but your website's still up. Every time I've ever hosted a website, I've hosted it myself. So if my internet was down, it was down. <laughs> that was about. <laughs> Let me point. add on to that, UK miners. With the competitive rates that they have for hosting, there's also a business solution to be found there. So, hey, if the mm-hmm. if the public doesn't care, well, I'm I'm sure your pocketbook might care more than them. But I mean, that's. Look, the, you're going to find that the majority of the people in this space, like even many of the ones that watch my channels, they don't give a rat's ass about the principle of the matter that we, we we're discussing right now, whether it be the issues around big tech censorship and collusion. They just want to know how to make money. Correct. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing with all of this is the fact that the people with the money are the people that are in legacy industry and they can push their agenda through advertising and through media relationships with legacy media to push the agenda through pushing like, the way that we make government the public, stipulations the way, we make, yeah. the way that we make the general public care about a decentralized hosted website is by informing them on what that means um and that's why say I'm writing for someone like CryptoSlate. Our goal is to keep our head down during the bear market and hope that through the next bull run that that pays dividends because we want to help educate people into what blockchain is actually about. Um, it's not just about pump and dumps and trying to make a quick buck and investing because not everyone in the world even has spare money to invest. It's about building a better infrastructure, a fairer infrastructure. And it's been railroaded by a lot of the legacy industries that are trying to make sure they keep control of it. One of the ways they're doing that is by making sure that there's articles written talking about how dumb crypto is. Um, yeah. You look like... I'm well, a, I'm people a bit keep... Everybody's and, saying it's a Ponzi scheme. Everybody yeah. on every... It's like, well, oh well, yeah, it's totally a Ponzi scheme. There's yeah, no money backing the to it Ponzi whatsoever. Yeah, it's there's yeah. there's nothing backing it at all. There's no people working on it. There's no devs sitting there fucking slaving away making shit work. Yeah, yeah, it's just a Ponzi scheme. It's like you better get in early. Yeah, that's it. That's the key to crypto: yeah. getting in early. And, and you know everyone that bought Pink Chain. They might not tell you about the uh, U.S. dollar. I bet per um, per dollar amount or whatever, however you'd like to quantify it, in um, adversely to Bitcoin, you know, however you want to quantify the value per that value, you're probably spending more energy in total and more resources on that dollar than you would Bitcoin. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, uh, like... How, how much military power do you need to go into it? Mm-hmm. All the the infrastructure for the bank. For sure. For the Federal Reserve, all the people we pay to keep this system going, and you can go on and on and on and on for a system that is being looted and is about to collapse. And but the thing is, it's all obfuscated. So with Bitcoin, you see kilowatt go in, Bitcoin come out. You can put the two prices together, and you can make it seem like crypto is a waste of energy. It's bad for the environment, and it costs too much money. Or you can see it as one of the most efficient forms of generating money because it's only energy that goes in and it's Bitcoin that comes out. You say you can run a Bitcoin farm with two or three people once you've got everything up and running. It doesn't require all those people you're just talking about that it requires to run the sort of the dollar. And the thing that people miss with all this is 
over the last like it's like 120 years, the dollar's down 99% in terms of what you can buy with a dollar. Like the dollar is a shit coin. Yeah, like my grandmother, my grandmother bought her house, which was a five bedroom house with a basement, backyard, porch, front back porch, and like two acres in the middle of a city. She paid twenty five hundred dollars for it before she moved out of that house and moved into with my aunt. Uh, she sold that house for like a half million dollars, and that was mm -hmm. like twenty Crazy. years ago. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it's like. The, the inflation price is just a devaluation price as far as I'm concerned. But the, yeah, the, because the dollar is down 99%, but the only reason that no here in the United backing. States we're not, we're not completely, you know, the citizens themselves are not completely suffering because of this is because everywhere else is down 99.97%. So we're mm. slightly better, but we're still going off the cliff right after them. And and people people just think about it as things are getting more expensive, as opposed to the fact that their money is worth less, and that's the the difference that they've got control of the narrative. So we need to carry on telling. Oh, the I just I just got a dollar fifty raise after working here for five years. Oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. but bread's four dollars a loaf, milk's eight dollars a bag. Yeah, that's right, bitches. I said bag. So, so someone in chat has just said that most crypto um, projects are Ponzi's and very few are worth anything. And that's, again, just going back to the fact of how early we are in this sort of evolution of, of crypto, that we need there to be 10,000 projects because we need to figure out what's working. We need to get what we call it product market fit for blockchain. Um, do we need 10,000 blockchains in the future? No, I don't think so, unless they're layer twos or layer threes built on things do we need them right now yeah probably because we need to figure out what's right what's going to work there there is the aspect that there is a bunch of blockchains right now and people are trying to figure out codes and algorithms for different solutions they're trying to find solutions for problems that haven't existed yet and haven't been found a, a meshing point um but the the situation of whether it's a ponzi is when you get someone that's like pumping it like say the jake paul zoo tokens off um you know like come the hell on like anyone that i know that's worth anything that knows anything about crypto is invested in it has any hardware mining it nobody bought that shit no one no one the only people that bought that were like fanboys and people that know nothing about the crypto industry so it's the exact same it, it's those people that are saying that most of these projects are ponzi's but that's not the case like out of out of like say there's a hundred thousand projects right now because there's probably close to sixty thousand mm -hmm. in the works right now out of them there's let's say 200 bad actors i would say uh, like that are active right now i'd say there's about 200 bad actors uh, maybe, like probably more bad I, think, yeah, I think you're being very generous in terms of I'm not I'm not saying that they Why? couldn't easily mesh the project with another current existing mm. project. I'm not saying that. I'm saying with the intentions of taking people's money and going fuck everybody. So, and, I don't and, think and, it's as high as everybody thinks it is. Well, maybe it doesn't have to be I don't think that's where the intention is at least. And and the real difference is there's there's scams outside of web3 everywhere. Um, there's billions of dollars that people have been scammed out of um, for solar panels and new furnaces. Exactly, but with crypto, tanks. 
it's more transparent. It's on chain. You can see the project. Someone can write about it easily. It's not some anonymous project calling people's grandparents, trying to get them to send them gift cards that doesn't have a face. Like blockchain is sort of a victim of its own um, benefits and features in that how transparent it is. So you can see all of these uh, scams there and, and then. And I think for people that are buying into small projects and calling it a scam, just because it doesn't work out, because that's also like a thing. These are all startups. If you're buying into a, a low market cap project, it's like, do you use um, what's it called Kickstarter, or would you invest in your mate's new project that he told you about in a pub, and he needs hundred quid, uh, and he's trying to crowdsource funding for his new, I don't know, gym or something? Would you invest in those? If the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't be investing in meme coins either because you are investing in a project by buying the tokens and people just see it as, oh, just because other crypto projects went to the moon, then this one must do too because I put my money in it. You just need to understand what you're actually doing when you're investing in crypto because it's an investment um, at the end of the day. And I, I, have, I think uh, too many but, people just think it's free money. I have a buddy who I was telling to get into crypto back in like 2010, 2011, like just to buy out, like buy some, you know what I mean? Like get a bunch of liquid cash and it's just like, just buy it, hold it. If you're just keeping money in your safe, just buy it and hold it. Oh, it's just a scam. It's just a scam. He ended up buying in when it was like 71,000 Canadian a Bitcoin, <laughs> like the absolute crest of the peak and goes in and buys like 40 grand worth. And then comes over to me and goes, like six months later, comes over to me and goes, oh, I'm fucking down like all this money. You told me to put this. It's like, nah, man, I told you to put it in when it was going up because I knew what the projects were. You went in because of FOMO thinking, oh, yeah, all these people are saying it's going to hit $100,000 for a Bitcoin. It's like, no, that ain't happening. Come on. Like, it's not like follow the markets. Like, it's the same patterns. The difference is, is like, here's a hot take again. Uh, I guess um, I think that the, the bull run this time is going to happen a lot sooner than everyone's thinking. I think it's not going to be 2024 or 20. I, I think it's going to be 2026. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I'm saying wait till like June or July and be surprised. All right. We, we have conflicting opinions. So I want you both to break this down and then we'll, bring an end to this podcast oh we gotta go, go first or do you wanna... whoever wants to go first after you Akiba. so i mean you've got to look at the macro picture of everything and it really depends on what happens this year if there ends up being like a war between china and the us i actually think that could be massively bullish for bitcoin um you saw it happen during the start of the ukraine war you saw gold follow then come down and bitcoin led um and it also depends on what you're defining as a bull market do I think we'll have the bottom of the market in 2023? Yes. So you could then argue that the bull run starts in 2023 because if the bull run is everything after the bottom of the market, then I completely agree with you. But I'm saying 70 percent from where we're at right now, at least. I think I think we'll I think we'll hit the bottom. I think we'll hit the bottom. I think we'll hit it soon. I think oh, I think we're gonna be... hit like eight to nine thousand Bitcoin is what I think personally I, I think after it's... all this FUD and crap with FTX and the the grayscale uh crap that's yeah, going that's... on right now like that's huge like if they have to liquidate all the the gbtc like that's that's insane like that's insane like you're gonna be able to pick up bitcoin for like fractions of what it's so 
at 6 p.m. GMT, so whatever time it is where you are now, pretty much, it's, it's quarter past six here now. Um, our head researcher is doing the weekly market report, which is how the GBTC premium, the grayscale trade, ruined Barry Silver and his DCG empire and took crypto lending platforms with them. It's an incredible, I edited it this morning, it's an incredible article, and that I think is one of the most important things that you can read this weekend um, when it comes out tomorrow because it really highlights for me which is the biggest potential catalyst for a further leg down at the moment and that is the whole G uh, dcg thing because if they can't get themselves out of where they're at then it's going to be massive for bitcoin um and i think that could flush out the rest of the weekends uh, and that is where i agree i don't know where the bottom is going to be um but i could see that that leg down being the end of it and then from there I'm just looking at historic cycles, so nothing necessarily is going to be the case. But when you look at the, you need to look at things like what, what I tend to analyze is the the bottom of the market to the price at the next halving, the price at the halving until the top of the market, and then from there until the bottom of the market, and looking at the where the halvings were in each time, and they're they're, they're expanding um, fairly uh, systematically throughout. And on that basis, if it continues in a similar trend. Then, there wasn't the utilization of cryptocurrency or the market or the space at the last bull runs. That's that's what you're not account, accounting for. No, right? I, I am accounting for it. That's like, why... And now there's like a utilization for it. There's a platform for the everyday person. They're making yeah, cryptocurrency why... like ASIC submersion tanks for the home. That like that like it's like Octominer makes a submersion tank that they just released on Christmas or something. Slowly, slightly before Christmas. And like you can put an ASIC in it, it kills all the noise, and then it sublimates the heat through liquid cooling into the room. But they're also like environmental controlled and so forth. Dave, so like you have more everyday people can you quickly, up and not just like home miners grabbing. Can you quickly like elaborate up. on why you think the bull cycle will come in 2026? Me? No, yeah, he, th he thinks 2023. Oh. I think like I think it's gonna like not to the peak this year, but like I think that it's going to go in in a way that people haven't haven't expected it. I think because of the crypto utilization, I think that there's a stableness behind certain platforms. Like everyone always like causes all this crap with CZ and shit, but like I, I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with the way he runs the platform. I don't have a problem with all of his reserves. I don't have a problem with any of it. And it's solid. I don't have a problem with Coinbase with the exception of like they kicked me off their platform without telling me why. <laughs> that kind of pissed me off. But aside from that, like I don't think they're just going to go poof. You know what I mean? I, um, yeah, I, I get what you're it, saying. There, there's people that are now getting interested in the space at in the in the bear market. Whereas like before, people don't start getting interested in the space until the bull run. Yeah, like, but when you when, if you look at like Google off. Trends and stuff and, and overall traffic in the space, it is still massively down at the moment. And my my thesis for why we're going to be 2025 maybe is whenever you look at any of the halvings, the halving event in itself isn't usually a catalyst. It's the start. I bet of you ten thousand, Jasmine. Let's go. I, I don't know how much that is. Doesn't matter. Ten thousand, Jasmine. Let's go. I mean, I might be betting you like 10, several million quid. Yeah, fuck, maybe. By the time you got to pay up, 10,000 Jasmine, let's go. 
This means you got to go buy 10,000 Jasmine right now for dirt and, and hodl it till then. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I'll go buy some till next. Done. Uh... Joe, you can get in on this too, man. 10,000 Jasmine I'm, Ben. I'm good. Come on, when, I, when's I'll your bet for the bull run? When's your bet for the bull run? Come on, 10,000 Jasmine. Look it up. Look at the price and just come on. You can cough it up. It's like literally. It's, you spend more on Diet Pepsi a week. Come on. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, so, me too.